Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by betonline.ag, the best sports betting website around. You can use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, 50, to get up to 50% matching on your initial deposit when you go ahead and sign up with betonline.ag, courtesy of Eagles Unfiltered, Connor Miles, Ed Kras, as always. And let me just tell you, the best thing about this Eagles victory, I don't know if you've ever gone through this in your life, because I'm sure we've all had at some point. But some point, the girl that you love or the man that you love, your significant other, leaves you for somebody else. There's always at some point in your life. And you're heartbroken, you're crushed, because, you know, you thought everything of this person. You thought they were going to be here forever. And you find somebody else. And, you know, it, it works out with that other person. It's not what you thought it was going to be, because you're still thinking about that one true love you first have. And, you know, everybody remembers their first true love. But there's always that one time where you're out and you see your ex-true love going through some hard times. And you're prospering with your new, your new love. And that's what happened Sunday for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Washington Commanders. And they pummeled Carson once. And Jalen Hurts, not only did he look the part, but he went out there and he looked every part that Carson Wentz looked during his MVP season during 2017. You know, arguably. I don't want to say better, but man, he's throwing the football with incredible accuracy and touch. He's not afraid to get downfield. He's pretty much me stunning with my new girl, stunning with my new partner. You know, looking at my ex who's struggling over there. I sacked him nine times, 17 quarterback hits in total. Trying to figure it out with his new crush. You know, it hasn't worked out last two relationships, so he's trying to make it work with a new crush. But man. That felt good, Ed. That felt really good, man. What kind of game were I mean, you know, you and I yeah. thought it was gonna be a close divisional game, but I mean, what did you what were your takeaways? Well, I mean, yeah, obviously the nine sacks, my goodness, that was just an onslaught. And uh, you know, Washington had that backup center in there, West Schweitzer. They lost Chance Rulier before, you know, to an injury. But uh, you know, and the Eagles did a good job of that. I love seeing Jordan Davis on the second play of the game making a move on the center Schweitzer. And knocking the ball right down into Carson Wentz's face on the second play of the game. I mean, that you can say that might have set the tone, but I think what set the tone, and it was Fletcher Cox, I think. We saw Wentz and Cox hug before the game. 
uh, pretty long embrace. They talked for a while. Um, but when the game started, man, Cox was just like a man possessed. He looked like Fletcher Cox, you know, of the you know, 25, 26 year old Fletcher Cox and not the almost 32 year old version of Fletcher Cox. He set the tone. He got in there first, you know, first sack of the game on that first series with Josh Sweat. They shared, shared a sack. And then a series later, he got his own sack against Carson Wentz, against his good friend. And from there, you know, the, the you know, the, the, I don't want to say the route, but the beating of Carson Wentz was on. They sacked him four times in the first quarter. I mean, that's unbelievable. They haven't had that many sacks in the first quarter since 1991. Um, you know, that's going back a long, long time. So um, I like your analogy of, you know, the, the girlfriend that, leaves you and you know you're like darn man and then you see her prosper or you see you know yourself going through some struggles and you know it's a great analogy because that's kind of exactly the way it was the eagles are that team that he's looking at like man i used to go out with that team i used to go to dances with that team you know i i loved being with that team and now he's not and you know he looked like the same old carson wentz that you know, that left the Eagles. He held the ball too long. Um, I mean, the Eagles rush got home and they knew they were going to get home because they know Carson Wentz likes to hold the ball. Hasn't gotten out of that bad habit. You know, he holds the ball too long. And, you know, he even when he got rid of it, he was the hits were starting to add up and he was spraying balls wide left, wide right over people's heads. So, just about as dominating an effort as you'll ever see from a defense. And it's just so happy to came against. Their former love, Carson Wentz. And then more on Jalen Hurts. You know, uh, Sean Payton, yeah. he made a a great statement, I thought, pregame uh, prior to the Eagles taking off against the Commanders. He said, you know, Jalen Hurts' performance against the Vikings, there's always that time that a star quarterback has in his career where you, he hasn't hit that point yet where he's hitting the stardom. He's... You know, he's a very good quarterback. He's tearing that. They always have that one breakout moment where you're like, this this guy has arrived. And he said it was his performance against Minnesota. And if Sean Payton thinks that, you know, yeah. that I should be damned and think that. But he's completing yeah. passes. Jalen Hurts is completing passes. We've never seen Jalen Hurts complete before yeah. at a pro level. I, I can, honest to God, I don't think you can even pull up the Oklahoma tape and find this. Yeah. I mean, his accuracy, Ed, I mean, you were at camp, and the funny thing is, if you go back and listen to our pod during training camp up to now, you kind of thought you saw the same Jalen Hurts. Like You didn't know where the improvements were majorly going to be because, I mean, again, in his training camp, you're only going with what your eyes tell you. It's not like they're going full effort and giving what they what the full product is going to be, but, I mean, he is throwing the ball at rates we've never seen Jalen Hurts throw it before. It's incredible. Well, he's trusting his receivers. And, you know, maybe that was part of the whole summer of training camp and the OTAs in the spring was building that chemistry. I mean, this is year two with Hertz and Devontae Smith together. A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, good friends. They throw together a lot in the offseason. So what we see is that training camp has really helped Hertz build a chemistry with his guys. He's throwing the ball up and letting them make a play. And we haven't seen quarterback do that since probably Nick Foles when he took over in the 2017 postseason when he trusted Alshon Jeffrey to just throw it up make a play and now the Eagles have two of those guys Smith and Brown and 
you know, you talk about Hurts, and yeah, he, he terrific game. You know, another three hundred plus yard passing day, sixty three percent completion rate. But when you talk about takeaways from the game, number one, it's the defense. Nine sacks, twenty four nothing at halftime. They don't give up the first touchdown until there's less than two minutes to go in the game. Big goal line stand. Avante Maddox tackling. Tight end uh, Logan Thomas on a shuffle pass on fourth and goal at great t- tackle by Thomas or by Maddox. So it's the defense for me. Number one takeaway. Number two is Devontae Smith. I mean, my good, that was like one of the best receiving days I've ever b- witnessed live. Uh, he was making acrobatic catches all over the place. You know, that 44 yard catch he had to put them down at the one yard line where he hurt his back or he said he just had to catch his breath. He got the wind knocked out of him. But to me, it looked like it was reminiscent of when Tyree Jackson in training camp last summer went up real high, caught a bass pass and landed flat on his back and broke his back. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I hope I hope Smith didn't break his back on that, because that happened in the same end zone where I was sitting in the press box. And that was the first thing that came to mind. But Smith was just unreal. And and Hertz trusts him enough to put it up to throw it to him. Um, career high what was it 169 yards, eight catches career high. Uh, just that to me is the two biggest takeaways. And that just shows you how far, in my opinion, Hertz has come when he's not in the top two of my takeaways from this game. It's the defense. It's Devontae Smith. Now I know Hertz had to get him the ball, but those two factors were just huge, huge in this win. No question about it, but Hertz would probably be my number three takeaway is yes. He continues on this trajectory, this upward arc where he is getting better. He's trusting his receivers to make plays. He's certainly not holding on to the ball as long as Carson Wentz does. The, the, the commanders took away his running. He only had 20 yards running on the ground. He had to beat this team with his arm, just like he did against the Vikings. This was a different kind of defense that he had to attack, though. Um, this was, you know, these defenders played the Eagle receivers tough, but the Eagles were able to get a little separation. But even when they didn't, Hertz trusted them enough to just throw it to him, see if they can make a play. And he didn't put the ball in bad spots where if they couldn't make a play, neither could a commander's defender. So uh, just just a great all-around performance from, from Hertz. But again, that defense and, and, and Devontae Smith, I'm telling you, wow. I mean, I was just I, – I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, he made that catch right in front of me in that same end zone, and I couldn't believe he hung on to it. When he catches the ball, he hits the ground hard. You think, okay, the ball's going to squirt loose, but it doesn't. He, he holds on to the ball and that catch he made for the touchdown going up over Kendall or uh, yeah. Kendall Fuller. It was Kendall Fuller. Yeah. I mean, it just, just, just draw dropping. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe what I was watching from an Eagles receiver. No less. No, I know. I, I tweeted it out. I said, seeing wide receivers play like this in the Eagles uniform makes you want to cry. I mean, it's insane. There's no crying in football. There's no crying in football. Uh, but Ed, it's, it's Ed, Ed, week one. I hear you, though. I'm kidding. Week one, A.J. Brown, 155 receiving yards. Week three, <laughs> Devontae Smith, 169. And who's the quarterback doing it? Chilling Hurts. Yeah, yeah. And week two, 53-yard touchdown pass to Quez Watkins. I mean, this receiving core, to me, I've never seen a better one-two. And, and you can say Smith-Brown or Brown-Smith, whatever order you want to put him in. I haven't ever seen – the Eagles with two better wide receivers on the outside, but it's not just those two guys. It's the other two guys. It's receivers three and four, Zach Pascal, far superior upgrade than Jalen Rager and Greg Ward combined. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's a factor and you know, he's going to catch the ball. I haven't seen him drop a ball yet. And then 
the fourth one, Quez Watkins. I mean, he he's he, he's very good too. He, uh, you know, he didn't have any receptions. Uh, you know, yesterday two uh, huge PIs, two PIs, and Nick Sirianni said that those to him, he said, are explosive plays. He drew two offensive PI calls and or defensive PI calls, and they were legit. I mean, you know, there was that was definitely passing. That wasn't any you know borderline call there. They were legitimate. Uh, because I think on the, on one of them, I think it might have been the the second one. If 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 uh, Watkins isn't interfered with by Wild Goose, I think that's a, like a sixty five yard touchdown pass. I yeah. think it, you know he would have caught that pass and walked into the end zone. So um, yeah, I this receiving core to me is just it, definitely the best four together that I can remember. And if you just want to single out the top two, probably the best top two as well. But um, it, it's hard to believe, and they only kept four receivers. Now, I know they've activated Britton Covey, who's technically a wide receiver, but, you know, there was, I thought, was four going to be enough? I mean, do they need a fifth one? No, they don't need a fifth <laughs> one. What they got with four is plenty good enough. And they got two tight ends, it looks like, too, because Grant Caltatera, you know, that was a nifty move to get open in the middle of the field like that. And then, you know, the yak. Yeah, you love to see the yak. So, I mean, they have receiving options, that's for sure. That's no doubt about it in my mind, but. Uh, I'm with you too. Also, hats off to the defense. I mean, what you know, Darius Slay has been Darius Slay. He's been what we expect him. It's about James Bradbury, though. I mean, you know, he struggled last year with New York. You know, it was up to his standards. If you want to say struggle, because normal, you know, normal play, you take that from your corner. But uh, 59 yards in three games, he's given up. I mean, yeah. the guy only nine receptions, six six yards per catch, zero touchdowns, one interception. I mean. Yeah, you can harp on the missed tackles, but I, you know, that's he made five of them. He made five tackles yesterday. That's why, you know, when people talk about missed tackles at corners, I'm like, that's my least amount of thing I need from them. That's the yeah. least, that's the lowest on my totem pole. If they can cover, break up the pass, and force a, a turnover, there you go. That's my top three. I can take it if you can have missed tackles because he's had it throughout his career. But I mean, the guy is locking down his side of the field. I mean, you could argue, yeah, because he has Slay on the other side, you know, that helps. But I think that, you know, puts you in a tougher position because yeah. I think that, you know, teams scheme their best option to go against you then. And he's yeah. shutting them down, shutting them down. I mean, I know Vontae Maddox, too. Vontae Maddox oh. is uh, in the top 10 for what, PFF right now. What, so what, what a what a good player he's become, Avante Maddox. There's no question. I mean, he, he had a pass breakup yesterday. He played that throwback screen where Carson faked to the right and threw back to the left to – Curtis Samuel, nobody was fooled. T.J. Edwards, Asante, uh, Avante Maddox saw exactly. I almost said Asante Samuel. Uh, We're so used uh, to him now. Yeah, I know. I know you're doing a great job with this podcast. But no, Avante Maddox, T.J. Edwards. I mean, they weren't fooled at all. They were right on the ball. They held it for a one-yard gain. If that might have gotten zero yards. But um, he's just – and like I I alluded to earlier, that tackle he made on fourth and goal – you know, on Logan yeah. Thomas on that shuffle pass. I mean, yeah, that's a big dude he's taken down, man. Logan Thomas is 6'5", 6'6", you know, 250. And Avante Maddox is, you know, 5'8", 5'9", you know, 200 pounds. And he made a textbook tackle right down low, right around the legs and put put Logan Thomas right on the ground before he could even get moving. So he's just playing great. And he's kind of like the, un, the, you know, the under the radar guy, right? Because he gives so much praise to Bradbury and Slay. But, man, Maddox is right up there with those guys. And this is... Just like the receiver core, when you talk about those four, I mean, you look at this cornerback group and you look at those three. I mean, again, probably some of the the, the three best cornerbacks I've seen on this team, 
you know, since Shepard and Brown and um, uh, who was the little slot guy that was in Azul Hansen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, I mean, that to me, and that's underrated, you know, because everybody's looking at the offense, but that that cornerback group, very, very good. And Bradbury played 100% of the snaps yesterday, second straight week. He's played all, every single defensive snap. Him, uh, Marcus Epps, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson have done it now, th- two straight games where they've played 100% of the snaps. And those are probably three of the better defenders. Now, I don't know if they're the best because you have TJ Edwards, who I think is, you know, he should be the first in line for a contract extension um, beyond this year because he he's locking down the middle of that field for this team. Right. And, you know, I think he is the, probably the best defensive player right now on that defense is the middle linebacker. And he doesn't get enough pub because Slay's the player of the week, the NFC player of the week on defense last week. Bradbury shutting down his side, nine sacks, but that guy in the middle, man, TJ Edwards, he, he makes it all happen. He calls the signals. He's like the quarterback on the defense. He's doing a great job. Say what you will about Jonathan Gannon, but he fixed the secondary. Yeah. You know, this, I mean, ever since Jonathan Gannon's rival, Vontae Max has turned his career upside down, upside down, one of the top nickels in the league now, and it's widely known. Yeah. nationally known now um and then not only that you gotta tip your hat you know at i'll say one play against the terry mclaurin deep pass where miscommunication was slay which i think is still going to happen as he's still new to this team uh, i'm talking about cj garter johnson right but other than that one mishap the guy is locking it down too him and marcus Epps have been playing exceptional football these first three games i mean the secondary dare i say it's fixed yeah well, I mean, yeah, they haven't really given up the explosive plays yet. And, I, you know, I think somebody's going to hit one on them. Uh, maybe Rodgers or uh, maybe Kyler Murray. I mean, someone's going to hit an explosive play against them. I think Lauren was an explosive play, but, I mean, it was a miscommunication. You could tell Slay thought, you know, CJ was going to yeah. go ahead and cover the top real quick. But, you know, he was yeah. slow to doing so, slow to reacting. And I think it was just miscommunication. He didn't think Slay was going to give him up. Yeah. But what a job they did on McLaurin. You didn't even hear. Yeah. His name until the second Dotson too. I mean, hit. Dotson. I mean, you know, Dotson had that one really big bad drop. But other than that, I mean, they, you didn't hear him at all either. No, I mean, Again. this Carson Wentz completed what three passes in the first half. I mean, was he three for ten for twenty four yards? I mean, that's abysmal. That is abysmal. And it was and funny because uh, you know you got that, you know, little heads up of what the team liked to their advantage against Washington, and it was the D line, and they're right. You know, yeah. that was insane. Yeah. That, yeah. They I really mean, did like their D line more than Washington's O line. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know what the rules of this off the record stuff is with Nick Sirianni. We, we get off the record with him every, every Friday. And, uh, you know, we don't kind of uh, reveal what he tells us. Obviously, we can. It's all off the record. But maybe in hindsight, I can say that Nick said that he liked that matchup was. Uh, with the Eagles defensive line against the Washington offensive line. And man, we don't bring this up next week. Right. We don't bring this up. If we don't bring this up next week, it's because we got in trouble for it. So just so you know, there might not be next week's show. Listen, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't say anything previously, you know, you know, before the game, but after the game, you can say, Hey man, he, he was right. The coach was right on the money, man. He, he liked that matchup. And uh, and he was right. And I, I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school here, whatever, whatever the cliche is, man. He, You could see that even without the coach saying, hey, we like this matchup, yeah, right. you know, especially with the center, you know, Wes Schweitzer, who's never, you know, he wasn't getting any reps really behind Chance Roulier. And, 
you know, that interior uh, wasn't really good. Um, the tackles aren't really quite proven. Sam Cosme might be a good player, but you you knew that that was a real area that they could exploit. And the Eagles did a good job of getting home without having to send the extra rusher. I mean, they sent a few blitzes, but not like they did against the Vikings. They got home with their front four. And um, I liked seeing Jordan Davis very active. I mean, he started. That was his first career start. He was out there in the first play of the defense and in the five-man front. And on, like I said, on the second play, he knocked that ball down in uh, Carson Wentz's face, and he had two tackles. So played a career-high 24 snaps. So, um, you know, he, and he showed some stuff, man. He was in the backfield oh, a couple running plays with, you know, some techniques that you reminded you of Fletcher Cox, what he used to use uh, back in his prime. So he's learning from Cox. He's learning from Hargrave. And, you know, I think he's going to be – uh, he's going to be a really good player for this team uh, in the future. And even as the season goes on, I think you might see his role steadily increase, maybe keep it around 24, 25 snaps. But, you know, after we get through into November and December and you want to keep guys like Cox and Graham fresh. And what was interesting, Connor, to me was when you looked at the snap counts and I, and I wrote about this, uh, Fletcher Cox had the third most snaps on that defensive line. Uh, Javon Hargrave had 41. Milton Williams played 36 snaps and Fletcher Cox played 34. And then if you want to look at Brandon Graham, he only had 27 snaps on the edge. Sweat and Reddick were the top snap getters there. And that that's telling because, you know, those are veteran players. You know, Cox will be 20, 32 in December. Graham just turned 34 in April. If you can limit their snaps, if you're getting good snaps from guys like Williams and Marlon T, Marlon Tuipulatu had 34 snaps. If you can get good snaps from these younger guys, Williams included, then you don't have to play Cox 40 snaps. You can limit his snaps, keep him fresh, keep him effective mm. as this season goes on. And same with Brandon Graham. The, the better job you can do keeping him fresh, the better he's going to be in November and December when it's crunch time and you need to start winning games and try to take control of the division. So I like that. I like the rotation that the Eagles have on that front line right now. Hey, Hassan Reddick looked good too. That bold prediction yeah. was pretty good. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I mean, I agreed with Nick though. I like the advantage that the defensive line had over the O-line. It, it showed it in a big way. Yeah. You know, it's so funny, Ed. Uh, I listen to all these different sports podcasts because I like to hear the national opinion more than I like to hear the Homer opinion. Just so I can see what, you know, what teams think of, you know, what national insiders think of the Eagles. And, you know, they still think, and I think rightfully so, they haven't beaten a real team. Or like they haven't beaten. Ah. A real, I know. I hate getting in that I argument. That. Yeah. You play that. what your schedule dictates no matter what. Yeah. The Eagles won a Super Bowl off a really easy schedule. Well, what mattered at the end of the year was they held the Lombardi up, not what their schedule was. I don't give a crap about that. Neither do the Eagles. But I think there is a lot of questions if still by the national members if they can hold up against, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, and so on and so forth. And I think it will be interesting to us to see. But, yeah, no, but here's where I'm going with this. You, man, it is so funny to hear the Eagles are going to be a dumpster fire. They got rid of Carson Wentz. They hired a coach who can't even get through his opening introductory press conference. He should take a public speaking course. <laughs> to now 3-0, the quarterback they replaced Carson Wentz with is excelling at the position compared to Carson Wentz himself. And Nick Sirianni looks like one of the, you know, it's funny they praise Sean McVay for coming out of Washington and 
you know, lighting up with the Rams. Yet, Dick Sirianni is the young Italian head coach who looks just as good as sex appeal wise as Sean McVay is doing the same exact stuff with Sean McVay did when he first started with Jared Goff in, in Los Angeles. Yet, no, it's just not the same praise. And I, I think the main reason is because these guys got it wrong. Like, they got it so wrong. Yeah. The Eagles made them look so bad. And just listening to all these national shows, Colin Coward especially, that keeps questioning the town of the Eagles or what caliber team they are, even if, you know, they're not playing the greatest schedule. These last couple of games that they've been winning are against losing organizations. Man. Yeah, you but can't just say I was wrong because yeah, you were so wrong. Yeah, and listen, you're playing these losing organizations at the start of a season where it's like spring training, where everybody thinks they have a chance. You know that, you know that eternal optimism before the season starts. So you think, yeah, the Lions—they don't know they're bad, and they might not be bad. They gave Minnesota a good run on Sunday. They're not bad. They're, they're not better bad. than Dallas. They're, they're not bad. And once they get Jamison Williams back, another weapon for them. But uh, you know, listen, Washington—they beat Jacksonville. That's the only loss for Jacksonville. The Eagles played Jacksonville on Sunday, who were coming off this huge win against the Chargers, thirty-eight to ten in Los Angeles. Uh, and, and then uh, they went over the Vikings. They—they they have two wins now. The Vikings. So, you know, spare me this—you know—soft schedule stuff. If if you're playing the Lions like they played them last year in November, I think it was when the Lions hadn't won a game yet. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's a bad bad team you're playing at that point in that part of the season but season opener in front of 70,000 fans where you know you had the momentum of hard knocks the you know the country was like the Lions the Vikings are leading the north right now I I just I just don't buy that whole schedule thing I mean you can only play who you play but it it does there's no guaranteed wins in this league you can't just schedule language the schedule stuff never matters because like I just said they had yeah. the a cakewalk schedule. Like let's let's be revisionist history now. Cakewalk, and they diverted. They diverted. Uh, look, they got it because they deserved it. They were one of the worst teams in 2016, so they got one of the worst schedules the following year, and they cakewalked it all the way to. Honestly, the divisional round was a mess. That game against the Falcons was an utter disaster. A playoff game, on both sides of the ball, but wow. once the lights the lights came on against the, the Vikings, that was when that team really played against really competitive football teams, and they yeah. lit them up. So, so you can spare me the schedule talk because it doesn't matter. That does not – if you go 13-4, and four, get the number one seed, and you had the easiest schedule in the NFL, guess what? You got home field advantage. You're yeah. probably going to steamroll those teams in the playoffs because you got home field advantage. Because I'll tell you right now, the Eagles beat the Vikings and they beat uh, um, they're able to go into New England and win the way they were because they felt they had the home field advantage in both places. Because Minnesota, come on, man, you saw how many Eagles fans were there. And then in Philly during the NFC Championship game, whole entire stadium was on their side. So I don't care about the schedule talk because that has never prohibited a team from winning the Super Bowl. That in, in anything that enhances them winning the Super Bowl. So I mean, that's why I don't care about the schedule. Teams played a soft schedule that won Super Bowls. I mean, you know, I've never researched it, but you know, I'm well, sure it's so it. funny. There's 32 teams in the NFL. Of course, there's going to be a bunch of soft teams that make it up. There's only they only allow uh, what 24 teams to make the playoffs, anyways. Yeah. So of it's course, there's like going to be people talk about it like they want an apology. Oh, we're sorry, we played a soft schedule and we're three and a, ah, sorry about that. 
It doesn't work that way. Look at the NFL in general. Look at the parity that's out there. I mean, there's only two teams. Well, three, if you count the Giants, if they win Monday night against the Cowboys. But right now, after Sunday's games, there's only two teams that are unbeaten still after three weeks. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's that's parity that the NFL craves. I mean, the NFL does a good job of letting the bad teams get better and the good teams play a harder schedule. That This is what they like to see. Two teams. Any given Sunday. You know. Any given Sunday. Look what just happened with the Chiefs and the Colts. Yeah. Colts. The Chiefs are going to – she's probably going to go to the AFC Championship game. The Bills just lost to the Dolphins, and they're missing a bunch of key players. They're the only 3-0 team left with the Eagles. Dolphins, Eagles. Now, if the Giants beat the Cowboys, there's only three – undefeated teams left in the NFL and look you can go do the research but man I I can't remember a season and maybe I'm wrong because I don't have the best memory anymore but you know when was the last time after three weeks in the season there were only you know two maybe three undefeated teams left it just seems like a really really low number and that's the parity that exists so yeah before you start dumping on the Lions and the and the commanders and you know, the Vikings, oh, these teams stink, and the Eagles, you know, they play these bad teams. It's not the way it works in the NFL. There's parity, man. This is this is the way the league is. Any team, like you said, any given Sunday, a team can win because this is what the NFL wants. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, last up, let's wrap this up real quick. Yep. What's up with the second half? What is, the, is the offense just gassed? Like, cause, nah. I mean, this is going to be – eventually this is going to be, you know, this is okay to do this against, you know, Carson Wentz, who – he couldn't do anything against the Eagles defense. You know, it's right. okay to go against Kirk Cousins, who, you couldn't know, he just didn't have an answer against. No. Didn't have an answer. But you helped, you know, that did help against the Lions. It did help the Lions inch back in. You When you play Tom Brady, you play Aaron Rodgers, play Matthew Stafford, you know, that's going to give them opportunities, and they're going to take advantage of those opportunities. What What's going what's to give, man? Are they? I mean, like Jalen Hurts says, they're still not to their standard yet, so that must be the no. truth, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, they tried to be aggressive. You know, they threw the deep shot to Brown that didn't hit. Um, they had some penalties. I mean, if this is what we're complaining about. Yeah, I know. Not scoring in the second half. I mean, it's such a, a nitpicky thing. That just shows how good the Eagles are. You know, they jump out to these big leads. I remember last year how they started games slowly mm-hmm. and they trailed at halftime. That was a common theme. Well, they, they mm-hmm. got this thing figured out now, it seems. You know, they they have – 65 of their points, and I think they've scored, what, 84 points or 86 points? 65 of them have come in the second quarter. I mean, what's wrong with going into the halftime at 24 to nothing and then, you know, playing kind of, you know, without that same sense of urgency in the second half? You let your defense do its job, pick up some first downs. And Nick said, I took my foot off the gas against the Vikings, tried to be a little bit more aggressive against the commanders, but he, he took his foot off a little bit. Um, I listen, I, I don't really read much into it. I think the Eagles can score when they need to score and when they really, truly want to score. <laughs> and I, I just I, I'm not worried about it. I'm really not worried about this second half stuff. I think they'll be fine. Uh, but when you're up 24, nothing and 24, seven in the last two games with two quarters to play, you know, that same sense of urgency isn't there. I mean, I love it. Come out, start fast. Take the game by the throat. And then just keep your foot right there and, and just kind of ride it from there. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't have a problem with these second halves. I think. Oh, I don't either. I just, you're the voice of reasoning. That's what I got to ask you to give your opinion on it. But I, I think the only 
only my my first thought when these second halves happen is, dang, they're just trying to find a way to grind these games out to end these games. It seems like to kill the time of possession. And the first thought that popped into my head, which was crazy because I'm never like this. I'm always thinking they're good with what they have. They don't need to keep adding to this position. But it would be nice to have a grinder running back at that point. Yeah. It would be nice to have that physical guy that can just wear the game down like a Garrett Blunt did, you know, the Jay Jolly type addition. So, yeah. Because I mean, I there's no way Trey Sermon's oppressing them if he's going to be inactive every week so far. Well, it's practices. Early. It, it is early. You know, he's still adjusting. Yeah. You're right. But I mean, and, you know, I don't think he's going to be the guy. Uh, well, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, listen, I think he's just an insurance policy. Uh, you know, we'll see where where his role develops if it does develop. But um, yeah, they could I, use a grinder though. They could if you want to wear could. this game down. You know, control time possession and get that big bruiser back out there that can just get you those yards. Yeah, I w- I will say, man, the Eagles really had a hard time running yesterday uh, Sunday. You know, thirty carries, thirty rushing attempts for seventy two yards. I mean, that's not expected. You know, I thought Miles Sanders would go off. That they were. I thought I said on our preview pod that I thought Hertz and Sanders could both go for yeah. under hundred yards. And again, no wagering, please don't take anything I say to the bank. Right. But I thought that was the way it was going to, going to work. But uh, yeah, Deron Payne and, and uh, Jonathan Allen, boy, those two defensive tackles were just studs. They just controlled a lot of that game on the ground and the Eagles had a hard time moving them, uh, you know, which was a huge surprise. That's a, that's a tall task well. for everybody. I, I thought Cam Curl, their safety, played a great game too. Like he came up and run support. I don't think he played in week two. I think he had an injury, but man, he he was a big difference maker. So, you know, listen, Washington has some players just like the Vikings, just like the Lions, and the Eagles came out on top against all three. No apologizing. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for us, man. We're very impressed with the Eagles so far, three and zero. We have to go back and look at our schedule pod when we did the schedule. I think I had the Eagles losing the Vikings. I think we're wrong already. <laughs> what a shock. I think I don't Shocker. know if you had them losing the Vikings back then, but mm-hmm. I, I got to listen to see what we had against Washington to see if they lost to once or not in the first one. Because 3-0, though. I mean, you can't be bad at 3-0. What a right. start. What a start right. for this team. Nick Sirianni and company. Jalen Hurts. Another impressive quarterback performance from him. Let's see yeah. if they keep this thing rolling against Doug Pearson and Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. We'll be we'll back soon later it. in the week. Yep, talk about it on our preview pod. Should be a good one with Dougie P. I think he'll talk to us on Wednesday, I hope. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's interesting. Just just real quick the Eagles booed Jalen Rager. Eagles fans went to Washington and booed Carson Wentz. What are they going to do when Doug comes to town on Sunday? They're going to be getting praised. No, he's nope. getting praised. I think he's going to get cheered. Yep. All right. We could talk all about that later. All right. See you guys next week and a little bit early in the week. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.